We're going to be in Matthew, Matthew chapter 24 and 25. Uh, Joel was getting the live stream ready this morning and he said, what's the title of your message? I said, the big picture of Matthew 24 and 25. He said, well, that's what was written here. I just didn't think that was the title. But uh, anyway, uh, we've been looking at these parables, and today we're going to kind of look at the big picture of these two chapters put together. Before we get into the message, though, I do want to take just a moment and say thank you to the church for allowing myself and Melissa uh, to get away this past week, or the, I guess... Uh, part of two past weeks, but anyway, uh, we were able to get away and go to some conferences and uh, get some, uh, listen to some preaching, get some uh, training, and boy, I'm telling you what, we enjoyed that time of being away, and we uh, thank each of you for allowing us to go. We did have a wonderful time. Uh, we went uh, Thursday and Friday to Milford, Ohio, to the First Baptist Church in Milford, Ohio, uh, to a uh, conference that's called the Loving and Leading Conference. I've uh, been to that conference uh, three or four times over the past many years. Uh, and at that conference, they just focus on uh, church leaders and church leadership and investing in them. And so Thursday and Friday, we were there. You get there uh, in the morning, have an opening service. Somebody preaches to you. Morning, noon, and night, somebody preaches to you. And in between, between the worship services, uh, we have uh, what we call workshops where you break out uh, to like 45 minute to an hour long workshop in between each main service. And so you can go to these workshops uh, uh, where they just teach about specific subjects that have to do with church and ministry. Uh, and so we did that Thursday and Friday. Uh, then Saturday and Sunday uh, were free days, uh, but the other conference we had planned to go to was only about 20 minutes away. So we stayed there in the area uh, and we went Monday and Tuesday. Tuesday, of course, we went to church Sunday, but then Monday and Tuesday, uh, we went to a conference that was for uh, Christian schools, pastors who have Christian schools in their churches, and it was the same type meeting. You have main sessions where they preach to you, and in between the main sessions, you have these uh, workshops. Now, they were a little nicer to us. Their workshops were 30 minutes long with a 15-minute break, then another 30-minute session with a 15-minute break. Uh, but in all, over the course of four days, uh, Melissa and I took in 27 sessions. Uh, so, boy, I'm telling you what, we were really soaking in the education. But we appreciate y'all allowing us to get away. We did enjoy uh, Saturday. We were right there uh, near to Cincinnati. And uh, my wife, she just loves zoos and aquariums and things like this. So Saturday we went to the Cincinnati Zoo. We got to see the aquarium and these things. And then I was happy to get back out of Cincinnati. Uh, but we did have a wonderful, wonderful time. I thank the Lord regularly that he didn't call me to the city. Now, you know, uh, sometimes the Lord calls you to different places and we need to be willing to go wherever he calls us. But I believe he knew that I was just too country to ever be effective in the city. And I thank the Lord that he didn't call me to the city. But it's wonderful, wonderful to be in the Lord's house. Matthew chapter number 24. Matthew chapter number 24. As I said, we've We've been looking at parables for some time. Uh, we've been looking at different parables of Christ. And this morning I'm going to conclude our study of the parables. There's many more parables that we haven't looked at. And uh, maybe in the future we'll come back and look at more parables. But for now uh, we're going to conclude this study of the parables. And next Sunday we'll be going, uh, starting to go in a different direction. But... As we conclude, I want to come back to Matthew chapter 24 and chapter 25. We've looked at two parables 
in chapter number 25. We look uh, at the parable of the ten virgins. If you remember uh, sometime back, we looked at that parable recently. We looked at another parable from Matthew 25, the, math, the parable uh, of the talents. And so if you look at chapter number 25, you will see that there is yet a third parable in Matthew 25, and that is the parable of the sheep and the goats. And so whenever we look at these parables in chapter number 25, and we look also at chapter number 24, you see that this comes together to communicate an important truth concerning mine and your relation to eternity. These two chapters come together uh, to form this. Matter of fact, uh, uh, Bible students for some time have referred to these two chapters uh, as the Olivet Discourse. And you see we have that there on the screen, the Olivet Discourse. The reason for that is this is a, a, a discourse that Christ shared with his apostles uh, just a few days before going to Calvary on Mount Olives. And so it became known as the Olivet Discourse. And so this morning I'm going to take and we're going to look at these two chapters and the message that Christ is teaching through these two chapters and then we'll be uh, looking at the three parables together and, and I pray that it'll be a blessing to you and I pray that at the end of this message we will see the truth that Christ was communicating to his disciples in these parables. To introduce the message I'd like for us to read a few portions of the text in Matthew 24 and 25. Look with me in Matthew 24 and verse number 1. Matthew 24 and verse number 1, the Bible says, And Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, There shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming? and of the end of the world. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man despise you. Now if you turn over to chapter number 25 and verse number 1, now if, you would, if we were to read the entire chapter 24, you would realize that starting at verse number 4, Jesus continues to speak all the way through the end of chapter number 24. If you have a red letter Bible, you will notice that you have red letters all the way through the end of chapter number 24. Jesus begins speaking in verse 4, continues all the way through the end of 24. And in chapter 25 and verse number 1, we see these words, Then... So we know that he's talking about the same time period. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. If you look at 25 and verse number 14, Jesus still speaking, it says, For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. If you turn on over to verse number 31 of chapter number 25, uh, we will read from here down through the rest of the chapter, and this is the parable of the sheep and the goats. The Lord continuing to speak uh, in answer to his disciples, he says in verse number 31, When the Son of Man shall come in his glory, and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory. And before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divideth his sheep, from the goats. And he shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come ye, blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. 
For I was in hunger, and you gave me meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee and hungered and fed thee, or thirsty and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger and took thee in, or naked and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick or in prison and came unto thee? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these my brethren, ye have done it unto me. Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was in hunger, and ye gave me no meat. I was thirsty, and ye gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and ye took me not in. Naked, and ye clothed me not. Sick, and in prison, and ye visited me not. Then shall they also answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee and hungered, or a thirst, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister unto thee? Then shall he answer them, saying, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as you did it not to one of the least of these, you did it not to me. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. Now if you would look at one more, pass, one more verse, and that is chapter 26 and verse number 1. And it came to pass when Jesus had finished all these sayings. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and then we'll take a look at this scripture. Father, we thank you for this day. And Lord, as I've already said, it's good to be in your house. Lord, I thank you that, Lord, we have brothers and sisters in Christ. I thank you, dear Lord, that we have a church that we can come to. I thank you, dear Lord, that we have the freedom to proclaim your word. I thank you, dear Lord, that we have people, uh, uh, Lord, saints in the church that, Lord, uh, proclaim your word. I thank you, dear Lord, for the Sunday school teachers. I thank you, dear Lord, for uh, those that invest their life into uh, proclaiming the gospel. I thank you, dear Lord, for those that come uh, who are faithful to listen. Lord, I thank you for those that go out and tell. Oh, Father, Lord, I thank you uh, for the privilege of being in your house. Lord, I pray that you bless now as we look at these passages of Scripture. Lord, I pray that you will help me, oh Lord, to be able to communicate clearly, Father, the truth that I believe you want us to hear, Father, this morning. I pray, dear Lord, that you will be with those that are unable to be here. Lord, I know there are many, uh, many families, Father, that have uh, those that are unable to be here because they're homesick or uh, they have loved ones that are homesick. Or Lord, there's those who are here this morning, oh Lord, who are battling physical ailments. And Father, I pray that you will be with each and every one. Father, I thank you that we can come to you. I thank you, dear Lord, that you can hear and answer our prayers. And Father, I thank you that you care for us. And Father, I thank you for it. I pray that you bless now in the service. And Father, we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. We look here at this passage of Scripture, and I read all those different verses to help you see how that these two chapters are tied together uh, into one. We notice uh, several things as we look at these two chapters together. We notice that the parables in chapter number 25 uh, are a part of an answer that God is, or that Christ is given uh, concerning the question that was asked in chapter number 24. The parables in chapter number 25 are given as a one 
warning in relation to the subject that was asked about uh, in chapter number 24. Uh, chapter number 24 is given in answer to the disciples' question and we saw in chapter 24 and verse uh, number 3 that their question had to do with uh, the end of the world and the second coming of Christ. It says, and as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? So the disciples come, they ask the question, what will be the sign? How will we know? What is it that we are to look for? And then if you go... Uh, if you look at the passage, you will see starting at verse 4, as I said, down through the end of chapter number 24, uh, Jesus continues uh, with a description of occurrences that will indicate the nearness of his return and the end of the world as we know it today. Now, I will just interject right here before I go on that I really don't have anything else on the screen this morning. Normally I have outlines that I try to make very easy for you to follow and take notes, but if you want to take notes this morning, you're just going to have to keep up because I was going so many different directions, I wasn't sure how to get it on the screen. So uh, just to let you know, if you're waiting for that first point to pop up, it's not going to pop up, okay? But uh, any Anyway, uh, we see that Jesus begins at verse 4 and goes through the end of chapter number 24 and, and he gives a description of different things that will take place, uh, uh, different things that will occur uh, that will indicate the nearness of his return. As we were in Sunday school this morning and we were talking uh, before Brother Danny got started teaching and then I believe Brother Danny even mentioned it during his Sunday school lesson that, that we the, the signs indicate uh, that we we are getting close to the end. The signs indicate uh, that we are nearing the end of this world. And Jesus in chapter number 24 uh, gives us quite a few things. Uh, uh, he tells his disciples, here are things uh, that you will be able to notice. Now in order for us to uh, fully understand all that is being said in chapter number 24 would take a couple of sermons at least in order to cover chapter number 24 thoroughly and explain all that is being covered there. Uh, but there's a few things that Jesus mentions uh, uh, that we can notice out of chapter number 24. We see uh, that Jesus discusses signs that will be observed in the behavior of men, in the way that mankind behaves. These are things that you will see mankind beginning to do. He speaks of the apostasy of the nations. And boy, I'm telling you, as we look around the world, we see the apostasy of the nations, not only of our nation, but worldwide. Uh, the apostasy of the nations. Uh, he speaks of the abundance uh, of iniquity that iniquity will abound uh, in the last days. And boy, I'm telling you what, uh, it seems that iniquity is just becoming more and more and more prevalent. It's becoming more and more accepted. It's becoming more and more uh, in your face. And we just, uh, seems that we are just overwhelmed with uh, the promotion of iniquity and, uh, and uh, those that partake uh, in iniquity. You know, it's interesting, and I'll have to be careful here because I'm going to want to run a lot of rabbits, uh, uh, but it's interesting uh, as we look at our world around us, uh, uh, we sometimes have the mindset, well, our world, it, it, well, it's not really that bad. You will talk to people who say, well, it, it's not really that bad. Uh, there's still a lot of good people. But you see, there's a problem with our meter. 
And the problem with the meter is that we have accepted as okay a lot of things that God has condemned. Therefore, the only thing that we're noticing as iniquity is things that still bother us, things that still appall us, but a lot of the other stuff that God hates, we have accepted, and we're like, well, the world's not so bad, when really, if we were to look at the world through God's standard, we would understand that iniquity is abounding. And Jesus speaks that iniquity will abound. He, he also speaks in chapter number 24 of the increase in natural indicators, that the world itself will give indication that it's coming to an end. We will see earthquakes, we will see famines, we will see disease, and many, many things. And all through chapter number 24, the disciples said, Lord, what is the signs? What is it that we can watch for? What is it that we can be looking for that will indicate when the end of time and your return, when, when is this going to happen? What is it that we look for? Throughout the entire chapter 24, Jesus gives a list of many, many things uh, that we will be looking at. Now, like I said, if you go into 20, chapter 24 and we look at it in depth, we will see that Jesus is talking about different time periods. And as I said, it's an in-depth study to understand it thoroughly. But the overall message is that here are some signs. Here are some indicators. Here are some things that will take place as we come to the end of the world. After sharing these signs with his disciples, Jesus turns his attention from a description of future events or future signs to sharing three parables. And interestingly enough, the three parables don't say anything about signs to look for. But he turns his attention from things you can look for to three parables whose main message is the importance of being prepared for the day that he returns. He gives three parables whose main message conveys that although there are signs you can look for, although there are things that will indicate my return, the most important thing for you to know, the most important thing for anyone to know is will you be ready when the time comes. We know that these parables in chapter number 25 are connected to the discourse in chapter number 24 by observing a few things. Some of these I've already mentioned. We'll look at them again briefly. If we look at the beginning of chapter number 25, we see the use of the word then. If you notice, uh, they said... Um, what will be the, the, the sign of the uh, thy coming and of the end of the world? Jesus begins talking to them. Chapter number 25, verse number 1, he said, Then, what does then mean? Then, at that time, this time that you are talking about, the sign of my, the, my coming, the end of the world, then, at that time, this is what the kingdom of heaven will be able to be likened unto. Uh, we also understand that chapter and verse divisions, as we have in our Bible today, uh, was not part of the original text. The verse and chapter divisions were added later uh, just to aid uh, uh, in sharing the word of God so that I could say to you, we will be in Matthew 24 and 25 and you could easily find it and follow along with me. If you read through this passage without noting the chapter division, you will notice that it reads very, very clearly from chapter 
number 24 straight in to chapter number 25. Uh, then as we've seen, chapter number 26 and verse number 1 bookends uh, the two previous chapters when it said when Jesus had finished these sayings. Uh, and so as we look at this, we notice that they are all tied together. Uh, this is the conversation that Jesus shared with his disciples. Now if we return to chapter number 24, we will see that before Jesus shared these parables, there was a sense of urgency that he wanted to convey to the disciples concerning his return. In chapter number 24 and in verse number 36, Jesus is coming to the end of sharing the signs that they can watch for. And in verse number 36, he says, But of that day and hour knoweth no man. No, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. He continues with an illustration. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered into the ark, and knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Watch therefore, for ye know not what hour your Lord doth come. Therefore be ye also ready. I've dropped down to verse 42, now I'm dropping down to verse number 44. Therefore be ye also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. Drop down to verse number 50. The Lord of that servant shall come in a day when he looketh not for him, and in an hour that he is not aware of. Over and over, Jesus drives home the fact that no man will know. The disciples say, Lord, what are some signs that we can watch for? What are some indicators? How will we know? And Jesus said, here's a whole list of things that will indicate the nearness of my return. But what I want to drive home to you is that no man will know. You can watch the signs. You can try to determine by the signs when I'm going to return. You can watch all these things unfold. You can watch the prophecies unfold. He said, but what I want to make sure you know without a shadow of a doubt is that no man no man knows only the Father. No man knows when I'm going to return. It amazes me at how many people have wasted so much ink in trying to predict when God is going to return, when the heaven is going to split over, when Jesus is going to blow the trumpet and the word of God clearly, clearly declares that there is no way that you can know. Now we look at what's going on, we look at what Christ said, and we say, aha, I know that it's getting close. But I cannot, I cannot set the date. We know that time is completely different with us as it is with God. It could be that He will come before this service ends. It could be that He doesn't come for another hundred years. Time works differently with God than it does with us. But Jesus is telling his disciples, you want to know what to look for. Here's some things to look for. But what I want you to know is there is no way possible for you to know. So, in light of the fact that you cannot know, 
He moves into chapter number 25 to illustrate through parables the vital importance of being prepared for his return. The first of these parables that we looked at earlier is that of the ten virgins. Here in this parable, the importance of preparing for eternity is illustrated through the plight of five young ladies who were so enamored with the social aspect of the festivities that they failed to prepare for the main event. Now we preached on this parable sometime back so I'm not going to preach it again uh, but we see that these ladies were going to the wedding and they were so uh, so taken uh, with the feasting and the, and the dancing and the fun that they didn't prepare and put oil in their lamps so that they could host uh, the groom on his way to get the bride and because they failed to get the oil they were not able to participate in the thing they looked most forward to. Uh, and we see that they failed to enjoy sure that they were personally prepared. And if you remember when we looked at that parable, we said the message of this parable is are you prepared? Have you prepared yourself? Have you made sure? Have you made your calling and election sure? Have you checked up? Have you made sure that you are ready for when he comes? Because I believe there are many who attend church, who go through the formalities of religion, who follow Christ in word, but who have never, ever, ever made sure that they had personally made peace with God. There's going to come a day when they're going to find out that they're not able to participate in the glories of heaven that they've looked forward to their entire life because they have never ensured that they were personally prepared. I don't have time to ask each one of you individually this morning, so I want you to ask yourself this question. If you were to die today, do you know for sure that you would spend eternity in heaven? Or do you answer in your own mind, I hope so? If your answer is, I hope so, then you are like these virgins who are going through the formalities, but you're going to miss the main event. The Bible tells us that you can know. So we sing the parable of the virgins driving home the importance of, of our personal responsibility to confirm our own salvation uh, so that when the end does come, uh, we are ready. The second parable is that of the talents. We looked at this recently. Uh, in the first parable, we see the tragedy of misplaced priorities. In this parable, we are faced with the fatality of misaligned assumptions. If you remember in the parable of the talent, uh, uh, the, the young man uh, said to his master, you're a hard man and therefore I was afraid of you so I hid the talent in the earth. We see how that the talent was representative of Christ giving to us the opportunity and the resources whereby we can come to know Christ and live a life in the fullness of Christ. But there are so many who have misaligned assumptions about God that they never utilize what God has made available to them. And we find that this man... Uh, because uh, of his assumptions he wasted his opportunity and he found himself in a place of grace. This man illustrates so many who have been given the space of life. They've been afforded an opportunity to surrender their life to Christ. But instead, they find themselves cast into eternal punishment because of their neglect. Jesus gives the first parable. He said it's important. You want to know what you need? 
He said, what do you need to know concerning my return? You need to know that you need to be prepared. What do you need to know about my return? You need to know that you should not neglect your own salvation. And then we come to the third parable in this discourse, and this is that of the goats and the sheep. Now we've not looked at this parable as of yet and we're just only going to look at it briefly this morning to drive home the point of these two chapters. This parable, the goats and the sheep, seems to have a multiplicity of possible interpretations. It's been interpreted uh, several different ways. But once again, the application of this parable, without a doubt, is the judgment that is sure to come at the end of of the world. There are three ways this parable has been interpreted. One is that the nations mentioned here in this parable refer to the Gentile nations and that the brethren would illustrate the Jewish people. In this interpretation, the sheep would represent those nations who have been Israel's allies, those that have defended, protected, and assisted the Jewish people, while the goats would represent those nations uh, who have oppressed and afflicted the Jewish people. Now it is true that God says he will bless those that bless Israel and he'll curse those that curse Israel, but I don't feel that's what's being illustrated in this parable. A second illustration is that this parable is given concerning the tribulation period and that the sheep are the individuals uh, who would endanger their life to protect the Jews during the tribulation and the goats are those who uh, neglect to protect the Jews. Uh, again, I don't feel that that's an accurate interpretation concerning the message of the passage. Whenever I look at chapter number 24 and I look at chapter number 25 together, I see that Jesus is driving home a singular truth. He's driving home a truth you want to know about the end of time. Here's some things I can tell you about it. But what you need to know the most is that you must be prepared for my return. He gives three parables that all speak of the importance of being prepared. I believe the general picture of this final parable is one of a coming division. It is one of a final judgment of mankind. It is a parable of a separation between the saved and the lost for all of eternity. The promise of eternal blessing will be given to those who loved and lived for the things of God and an eternal judgment will be given to those who neglected and rejected the things of God. I believe that this parable is given in support of the two previous parables to continue driving home the importance of being prepared for His return. Those who were rewarded were rewarded for their love toward others, which evidenced the love of God in their hearts. Those who were rejected were rejected because of a lack of God's love on the inside, which resulted in a lack of love in their actions. This passage, just to clarify, does not teach salvation by works, but it does illustrate a salvation that works with something that we need to understand. It's something that's been downplayed so much. Because of people's fear of teaching salvation by works, uh, we try to say that you don't have to do anything, and you don't. 
but true salvation is a salvation that works. The Bible says that old things are passed away, all things are become new. The Bible said that some will bear 30, some will bear 60, some will bear 100, but all will bear fruit. And true salvation is a salvation that works. We look at this parable of the sheep and goats, we see that you gave water, you gave food, you visited, you cared for. This is not saying that they're going to heaven because of the things that they did, but rather it is saying there is proof, there is evidence that the love of Christ is dwelling on the inside of you. There is evidence that you have believed in the Lord Jesus Christ and to the others who are trying to get in. He will say, no, depart from me. I never knew you. Why? Because there is no evidence that salvation ever took place in your life. This is not teaching a salvation by works, but it's teaching a salvation that does work. The love of Christ on the inside will evidence itself in a love for others on the outside. Whenever we look at this parable, we see that there is one universal message that Christ is teaching from the beginning of chapter number 24 all the way through the end of chapter number 25. And the message in this discourse is this. The end is coming. There will be signs of His coming. But no one, no one knows the day. Therefore, the most important question is this. Are you ready? Disciples say, Jesus, how will we know? Jesus said, the important thing to know is are you ready? If he were to return today, ask yourself, ask yourself this question. If he were to return today, do you know where you would spend eternity? If the trumpet were to blow today, the heavens were to split open today, and the sun would say, come up hither, do you know where you'd spend eternity? If you were to meet tragedy on your way home today, with no time, no time to call out to God, do you know, do you know where you would spend eternity. The message of these two chapters is one single message. And the message is this. Are you ready? He's coming back. He will return. He said in John 14, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I will come again. He is coming back. The question that we ask this morning is are you ready for his return? Let's all stand to our feet. Miss Debbie makes her way to the piano this morning. I invite you. If you don't know for sure this morning that you're on your way to heaven, if you don't have that confirmation of the Holy Ghost on the inside of you, if you're going through life hoping that you'll go to heaven when you die. Let me challenge you this morning. This isn't something to play with. This, you're, you're playing with eternity. You're playing with your soul. You can know without a shadow of a doubt. First John said, These things have I written unto you that ye may know that you have eternal life. You can go through life in full confidence that you're going to spend eternity in heaven. And those of us who know, boy, I'm telling you what, it takes a weight off your shoulders. When you go through life, whatever you face, knowing the worst thing that can happen to me 
is go to be with my Savior. Boy, I'm telling you what, it changes your outlook on life. As Miss Debbie plays, if the Lord spoke to your heart this morning, you